gonna rock this shade Gonna scream my name Make you shout now, honey Gonna make you Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here's an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, Hughes Taylor. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs.
from his brand new release and we got Hughes on the line right now hey Hughes how you doing I'm doing really well thank you so much well thank you for coming on the show now this is your first time on our show and we always start things off by giving our fans an opportunity to know you as an artist and the best way to do that is to, to look at your journey how you got to where you are today so give us the story of Hughes Taylor. Well, I uh, I guess I first picked up the guitar when I was around seven years old. My uncle had a guitar, and when we would go to visit him, um, that was pretty much the only thing I wanted to do was to was to play and make noise on his his guitar. He taught me a few things, you know, the, the beginner's riffs like uh, "Sunshine of Your Love" and "Smoke on the Water" and, and those things. So um, he he gave me a pretty good foundation on how to hold and sort of not necessarily play but uh get along with the guitar and um it wasn't until i was about 12 years old that i decided that i actually really wanted to play sit down and learn and 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 really figure it out and um it was around that time that uh sort of a, a family friend he um Keith Williams from Macon, Georgia. We would go and see him play every week at this uh, this little Irish pub in Macon, and uh, he played every Tuesday. We would go down and see him, and I expressed interest that I, you know, I wanted to to start playing myself. And in the middle of the set, he took a he took a little cocktail napkin and wrote down a G chord chart, taught me how to read it, and um, sent me home with it. And the next next week, I came back and he gave me another one. And uh, I learned, I, I, we did that for several weeks until I had enough chords and I was comfortable enough 
changing between chords to come up and play with them. And it was from that moment uh, on that I knew music was all I wanted to do the first time I performed guitar in front of anybody. Um, so that was uh, that was the moment in my life around 12 years old that I decided that, you know, my my world pretty much revolved around guitar from that point. So I uh, started to practice and, and play, and that was all I did, and I, I started to try and write my own music, um, you know, 13, 14. I think I was, I think it was my 13th or 14th birthday that I, um, with the help of, you know, parents and grandparents' uh, birthday money, I, I bought my first recording um, recorder. Basically, it was a, a Zoom R16 recorder, and and um, so I would spend hours in my basement messing with that, trying to figure out how to record things and write things and, and all of that. And just over the years, that was that was pretty much all I did. And, and just uh, you know, it, it became something once I once I really was able to start playing with other people and and. Um, yeah, that was that was the that was the beginning, I guess. Okay. Now, let's talk a little bit about this release. Now, um when you were putting this together, every artist has either a message or a goal that they're looking to achieve with a particular release. What was your message or goal for this particular release? Well, I I I I, I really just wanted to uh, I wanted to release something that um, obviously as, as any any artist it means a lot to me just the music that I write um, and I wanted to you know to have a product that um, people people could I don't really know how to, how to explain what I'm trying to say um I guess I guess my goal was to create something that that sounded similar enough and 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 representative enough of the music that reached me when I was young when I was a child I've always always wanted to connect with people the way that the music I listened to connected with me and that was one of my goals for this album was to create something that um hopefully people would connect with in a similar way that I connected with the music I used to listen to. Okay. Well, um, and go ahead. it's always, Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. It's just, it's always, it, you know, it's always been important for me to, you know, keep the blues alive. Um, and that's, I, I, one of the, one of the other goals with this album that I think I've, um, done. Okay. Well, you know, um, I've always been of the mindset that, you know, we don't have to keep the blues alive. We just have to allow the blues to live. Um, You know, uh, I I always look at the blues as a genre, um, a living, breathing art form that, you know, if you look through its history, has always been driven by innovation and those who are willing to break the mold. Um, You know, uh, unfortunately, I think in the last... 20, 30 years, a lot of people believe that that mold should never be broken, you know, that they have to stick to a very strict uh, adherence to what the blues is, where I'm, I'm a little more of an expansionist. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, I can absolutely get on board with that. I, um, I think it's a really good way to put it. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about your uh, process as a songwriter. Uh, when you sit down to start to write a song, what do you, what is your mechanism that allows you to tap into the muse? Well, I it almost always starts with the guitar. So whether I whether I'm sitting down to intentionally write something or if I'm just noodling around. Or even um, a lot of times, some of the things that we've written have been written on stage during slow parts of gigs or something, and we just sort of jam it out. So, so but it, but it always always is it almost always starts with me on the guitar, um, 
and there are some times that I will um, sit down with the intention to just write, and I'll I'll write maybe some some sort of poetry that's rattling around in my my head or, or couplets or, or something like that. But um, that's a a much that's a, that's a much more rare way for me to write music. It almost always starts with just something on the guitar, some sort of idea, and um, that's that's usually how it starts. And there's from there, it kind of just depends on on which way I think the song is going or, or, or the sound is going. Um, if if I have if I'm just noodling around at home, for instance, and I have a, a quick idea, I'll record it on my phone, and then I'll, I'll move on. And I have that little bit, and I just keep either practicing or whatever it is that I'm doing. And a lot of times, I'll take a day and I'll go through the things that I have on my phone, and I'll, I'll say, "Oh, I forgot about that." And so I'll I'll listen to that and I'll relearn it, and then I'll start adding some sort of melody to it or putting. Um, making it into a bigger you know a bigger thing than than just the riff or whatever it is that i started with and um there are also sometimes that i'll i'll have this uh you know this chord progression or something that i've i've just been playing for a while in fact i'm working on something now that i've been working on since my very first album uh it's a chord progression that i haven't been able to do anything with and um I'm I'm finally getting to a point that I've I've put a melody that I like on it and I'm getting some some thoughts on lyrics and things like that. But uh, that's one way that songs kind of come about too. Is I'll um, I'll have this chord progression that I sit on for years and then uh, eventually something else comes out of it. And then there's other times that, um, for instance, when I did uh, the Highwayman, I, I talk about this song a lot. The Highwayman came from. Um, I, I was. It was during quarantine. My wife and I were were just sort of, you know, binge watching Netflix as most couples did during the the initial quarantine, and um, we were watching uh, Scooby Doo. Uh, um, what is it? The Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated show, and uh, there was an episode called Stand and Deliver, and it was about the Dandy Highwayman. And after that episode, I turned the turned the TV off, and I got up and played. Just started playing this riff that came into my head. Um, it was all slide. And by the end of the night, I had the Highwayman. The song it was based off of the episode, and it, it just sort of came. And sometimes it, it just comes like that. And then there's other times that you know I really really have to work on it and sit on it for years and and. I have, um, I do have a, a, a home studio, and whenever I, I get the opportunity and I'm able to set it up and leave it set up for for a while, I can spend you know about a week just coming and recording ideas and different weird melodies and things like that, and and, um, and I have you know a little bit more of a, a little bit more. Um, of a structured way to record things when I when I'm able to use the studio than I am with just the the cell phone or or um, things like that. You know, I, I'm always curious when um, when an artist has their own home studio, where they went with it as far as the software. Um, you know, because there are so many different doors out there. Everyone is kind of, you know, oh, my door is better than your door, you know. Um, what what are you using as your software, your recording software? I'm just curious. I have always been a fan of Cubase. Okay. Like when I when I said when I was uh, thirteen or fourteen, whenever I bought my very first um, recording setup, uh, it came with a light edition of of Cubase, and um, and so that's just kind of what I what I learned on. And um, over the years, I've I've upgraded it and gotten the you know the top of the line pro versions and all that stuff, and I, I really like it. But I've I've dabbled in, in the other ones, um, Pro Tools and, and uh, um, Studio One and, and those things. And that Cubase was always just easier for me to work with. And I think it's because I learned on it. Right, right. Well, you know, a lot of a lot of engineers, once they learn the software, they don't really want to have to relearn another one. I know in my studio, I have Pro Tools, I have uh, Cubase, and I have Studio One. Uh, and I, I tend to lean heavily towards Studio One because I like that workflow. Um, I gotcha. You know, 
But, you know, everyone yeah. is different. And, you know, the engineers that are on Pro Tools, basically, they're, the only reason they're there is because they don't want to learn something else. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they have a love-hate relationship. I think everyone does with Pro Tools. Um, all right. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about um, that moment where you have to put the pen down and you have to now declare the song finished in the writing phase. It always evolves after that, but you have to now move it into the studio, give it to the producer, the 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 musicians, allow them to put their fingerprints on it. But what do you do to determine that moment in that song's life? Man, it's... I don't know that I have one specific... Um, I don't really have an outline for, for what that moment is. Because um, a lot of my... A lot of my... A lot of times, it sort of just happens at different intervals. Um, different songs have had different... For instance, The Highwayman... Um, that song was done when I had a by the end of the night when I started writing it. But it was it was done when I had the um, the the verses and I was happy with all, how all the verses went and it was the structure of the song was um, in a very it, it flowed the way it, I felt you know a good blues rock song should and then that was that was it it was it just it was finished and. Then there were there are some songs, um, for instance, uh, "Dreamily." Dreamily, I was still changing things about that after I had recorded the song and was doing the mixing on my, you know, on my own, and um, I, I still added certain things and certain elements and, and things like that um, to the song. It just it, it always that one wasn't finished for me until. Gosh, it, until really close to when it was it needed to be like sent off for mastering. It was it was really really late in the process. Okay, now um, let's talk a little bit about going into the studio. Um, you know, having a good song is what you have to say. That gives you a voice, something to say. But going into the studio creates the sound that gives the song identity, but also you an identity as an artist, you know, because you can always tell an artist by their sound, by the way they approach a song in the studio. What is your process when you get in that environment that allows you to capture your sound? It It is definitely changed from my last few albums to this one um when I, i've never ha been able to uh to attack an album like i was able to for this uh, for modern nostalgia um just for instance I've, I've recorded everything else at home on my own studio and usually that means one instrument at a time so we'll record the drum track and with the you know with the scratch guitar track and then we'll put the the bass and the rhythm guitar on that and then i'll put the overdubs on that and then the vocals and and all that sort of stuff and it's always almost always one instrument at a time um that's how i how i've done it in the past and i just was determined not to do that this time because we were able to record at such a legendary studio we were able to go to um capricorn in my hometown of macon and like I was saying about what I wanted to do with this album, I wanted it to sound like the music that I grew up listening to. And the music I grew up listening to, they went in and recorded the song live, whatever whatever they were doing, Allman Brothers and, and, and Cream and Hendrix. And they would record in the studio as a band live. And I said, I'm going to do that this time. And we did. We were able to do it. And the amazing thing was that we, we recorded... 11 songs in one day um, recorded the the rhythm parts anyway the drums the B3 the bass and the rhythm guitar parts we recorded 11 songs in one day nice nice um, so because we had the songs pretty much flushed out there were like I said there were a couple like Dreamily that were not totally ready but at least I was able to work with the rhythm parts that we were recorded um, but everything almost everything else was um yeah all recorded live 
every you know every drum and uh, all the drums, the B three, the bass, and the rhythm guitar parts on the entire album were recorded live in one take. Um, we we went in, we did it a few times, we took the best take, and that was the rhythm track. And the next day, I went in and I I recorded some of the um, extra lead parts, and we recorded some you know the the, the keys that were not the organ, so the, um, the Warwitzer and the Rhodes, we recorded that the next day, um, overdub sort of things. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I wanted this one to sound as live as possible, and I, I think we nailed it because it, for the most part, was live. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about the lineup on this. Tell me who is playing on this. I've got uh, the most musicians I've ever worked with on this album. Um, I have, I, I can go down the list, on uh, on bass guitar for everything except for Trouble was uh, Ben Alford, and um, Nate Lee recorded the bass for Trouble. Uh, Tom Wilson recorded all of the keys, so all of the organ, the Warwitzer, the Rhodes, all of that was Tom Wilson. Uh, and Ben and Tom and um, Greg Sassman, who recorded drums on uh, Treat Me Right, Highwayman, uh, she's my everything, and excuses. The 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 three of them are a part of a band called the Highway Forty One Band, which um, I I was a part of for a little while in Macon. Uh, so they knew each other really well, and and just was it was already a good rhythm section. And then Jonathan Benton, who Ben and I have been playing with for the past two years now, Jonathan recorded drums on most of the songs. Uh, it was Pretty Thief, Wicked Woman, Dreamily, um, Quarantine Blues, The Refugee. Um, Waiting, No Evil Love, and, oh uh, yeah, so that those seven, I think, uh, were Jonathan Benton, and then um, Adriana Thomas recorded the drums to uh, Trouble. Okay. And then I had uh, Sam Nelson play saxophone on She's My Everything. Um, I had Sean Williams, who we've worked, He's he's been a part of every single one of my projects in some form or fashion, whether he helped me mix or master or did some sort of instrument, but he um, played some percussion on uh, Dreamly. So he's still a part of it. And then um, I had backup singers for this album, which I've never had, you know, big, big backup production before. Uh, so Jesse Albright was on uh, Pretty Steve, Highwayman, and Waiting. And then Emily Lynn, who um, is one of the singers for uh, Australian Pink Floyd, she was on Prettiest Thief, um, Quarantine Blues, The Refugee, Waiting, and... Um, I think I'm missing one. Oh, um, yeah, a little bit on Dreamly. And then my wife, who sings my favorite part of the whole the whole bit is when she when she comes in. She sings with me on on Dreamly. Um, her name is Evie Samoji, and uh, I was really happy when we were able to do that together. And then um, her dad, Zoltan Samoji, actually does the whistle on Waiting. So I think that's all the players. I think I named them all. Okay. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about getting it out there. Of course, every time you put out a release, you have to um, create a team. You have to create a way to create a buzz, get it to radio. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're working with uh, John from Night Train uh, PR. Tell me a little bit about that relationship. With uh, with Larry? Larry, yeah, Larry Kay. I'm sorry. Yeah, Larry Kay. Um Larry reached out to me saying, uh, you know, telling me what he did and, and who who was on his roster. And, and we had a couple phone call conversations and kind of got to know each other over the phone. And I, I, I liked the plan that he had and everything. So he he's been a huge help getting the getting the music out there. And it's been it's been working. He's been doing a great job because, you know, the, the album's been charting for the past four months and and um, it's it's been doing really well, so I attribute a lot of that to 
the work that Larry's been doing. Okay. Now, um, let's talk about the business. Um, now, going into Capricorn Studios, I mean, let's face it, it's not a cheap endeavor. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't realize that it's expensive to right. record uh, an album cre- or create a CD. Uh, but now we're at a point where the consumer no longer looks at recorded music as a product. It's not something you buy anymore. They don't, you know, really have a CD player. You know, they, they took them out of the cars. They took them out mm-hmm. of the homes. Um, and now, you know, people have embraced streaming as a way to consume music. How has this shift in perception of recorded music affected you as an independent artist? It's, uh, I mean, I, I think just like the rest of the music industry, it, it you, you can't necessarily rely on physical uh, sales anymore. Um, but it has, it has allowed me to reach people in a way that I would never have been able to without it. Um, you know, I, I make, you know, most, I I don't know if it's the case with, with all musicians, but, you know, we, we make our money with, um, touring and people coming to our shows and they might buy CDs or something there, but a lot of times they listen to us, they stream us, whether it be Spotify or Apple Music or YouTube or whatever they like to listen to music, they have music and I can reach audiences in a way that I normally wouldn't be able to because streaming is so accessible and you can listen, you can seek out bands like you never could before. And um, that that has helped, uh, even though you know we don't necessarily sell CDs like we probably could we are still able to um reach people with these with these streaming platforms they're able to uh like i've got people in the uk who have been uh, streaming my my new album which i wouldn't be able to sell a whole lot of cds one because shipping is ridiculous but uh i'm not over there i'm not people aren't able to buy cds and so even though they don't listen to them as much anymore they're able to listen to our music um, regardless, because of the, the streaming platforms. Right, right. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, streaming has, like I said, it is the way to consume music today. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed, um, especially when the pandemic hit and touring was shut down, a lot of independent artists went on to the Internet and they started to do live streaming. Uh, they started to create content whether it's music videos or uh, they started to, you know, explore the things that they do at home. You know, when they did a streaming show, you could see the living room where that artist, you know, in his home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they started to uh, give an example. I know Mindy Abar does a, a little cooking thing with her husband and they got a line of wines and they drink wine and get drunk and, and whatever the meal is at the end of that particular segment is it is what it is you know uh and people enjoy that they enjoy that connection to the artist which is different it's it's almost uh, a way to get personal through social media um you know like tim mcgraw goes on tiktok and finds artists that are covering his songs and comments on them you know hey great voice love the arrangement you know, David Grohl is is doing drum battles with eleven year old girl drummers on on right. TikTok, and then bringing her on stage and 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 having her perform with the Foo Fighters. You you know that girl's been ruined for life. You know she's going to chase that moment for the rest of her life. <laughs> Getting into a stadium show, you know. Yeah. Um, but all of this is starting to affect the the fan base that. They say, well, I want some of that. I want more of that. And I think that streaming is going to evolve into a more content-centric type experience that the fans feel that they're connected to the artist. You know, like even Taylor Swift, she, she trolls the internet, believe it or not, looks for her super fans, and then invites them to her house. 
to listen to the next release. Wow. You know? So that just that possibility that they could be that person or they could be the one on stage with David Grohl or, you know, or Tim McGraw will acknowledge their existence and, and say, hey, you got a great voice. That is what's driving, I think, is going to drive the independent artists going into the future is being able to work social media, to work content. And the music is no longer the product. The brand is now the product. You know what I mean? That that brand is what people are selling. That people want to invest in the brand. When someone wears your t-shirt, they're investing in your brand. They're wearing it out with pride and say, hey, I'm part of this brand. You know, so that I think is is an important distinction in how the, the industry is moving forward. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and what do you feel about that as far as how this is progressing since the pandemic? I I definitely think that that um, you raised some really good points about that. I um I used I I, I was a part of the the live streaming thing when when we were in quarantine. I wasn't able to go out and play. I was able to uh, to maintain. That presence on by doing these online Facebook streams, and I was again able to connect with people uh, all over the country and the world, really. And uh, that's that's that was something I was extremely grateful for. Once I started playing live more, I wasn't able to to find the time to do that as much. But um, I still have plans to start doing something a lot more regularly online for that sort of thing, but also. You know, like you said, to it's a, it's a you know a brand, so a presence is important as anything. Um, yeah, and I, and I think the brand, I think understanding what your brand is and and how to establish it is really important. You know, um, marketing creates awareness, brand creates value. You know yeah. what I mean? It's it's if you understand that distinction, then you you have a leg up on on your competition. You exactly. Know? Well, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us, and uh, we're going to give everyone out there an indie blues double shot from your new release. And uh, you guys are going to love this, man. You just turn it up loud, open the windows, screw the neighbors. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> Come home early in the morning 
Excuses, baby. 
save your breath and walk away
rock these shades Gonna scream my name Make you shout now, honey Gonna make you whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Make you shout now, honey. Gonna make 